It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Cincinnati Reds should focus on winning the division this year. And there's one very big reason that Steve and I forgot to mention on yesterday's podcast that I'm going to cover on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and Stephen Offenbaker is not with us today. He'll be back on tomorrow's podcast, but I am a lifelong Cincinnati Reds fan, and I've turned an addiction into information for you here on the Locked On Reds podcast. This is now my fifth season hosting this podcast talking every single day about your Cincinnati Reds. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to me talk some Reds with you. I encourage you, if you're listening on your favorite podcasting app, hit me up on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs. Or if you're watching right here on YouTube, make sure you drop into the comment section with a thought, with a question, or if you're an everydayer, let me know because I love talking Reds and I want to talk Reds with you lockdown reds is part of the lockdown podcast network we are your team every day and here on today's show i want to give you the big reason that we left out on yesterday's podcast we talked a lot about why the reds should go for it should try to win this nl central division that seems ripe for the taking there's a huge reason that i want to get to today that steve and i didn't discuss yesterday also, we're going to look ahead on what you can expect and what we can expect from the Reds and Red Sox series and why I think there might be an opportunity here. And then also, later on, I've got a thought or two because the Reds didn't play yesterday. The Reds were one of eight teams that didn't play yesterday on Memorial Day. And I got a thought about that and what Major League Baseball is doing to its product. Before we get into all that, though, I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash MLB, and when you enter the promo code LOCKDOWNMLB, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. Go get yourself the most comfortable pair of shorts you'll ever own at birddogs.com slash LOCKDOWNMLB. All right, there is a huge reason that the Reds should go for the NL Central crown, something that Steve and I did not talk about yesterday because Cincinnati is a baseball town. I know that the Bengals have had their recent successes and, and you know, we have lots of folks looking forward to football season. I'm one of them. I'm a season ticket holder for the Bengals, but Cincinnati's a baseball town. We just have very little good baseball to root for over the last 33 years, basically my entire life. Since they won the World Series in 1990, that's really the last time. I mean, there's been little blips here and there of, of good baseball, but nothing sustained. Why must we wait for it any longer? What has this era of bad baseball in Cincinnati done to the fan base, to the potential future fan base of the Cincinnati Reds. I mean, there are so many people that constantly tell folks, you know, uh, you know, I'm a Reds fan. 
Why? Well, I, you know, I saw the World Series in 1990. I remember the World Series in 1990. Or maybe you go even further back to the Big Red Machine and you got to see that team succeed. There's not a lot of people that can point to recent teams as a reason for their fandom. They don't say, boy, oh boy, you know, Nick Castellanos made me a Reds fan or uh, Joey Votto. And, and as much as I love Joey Votto, there's not a lot of people that say Joey Votto made me a Reds fan. Usually it's, it's, it's Reds fans who learn to love Joey Votto. It's not saying anything negative about Mr. Joseph Daniel Votto. I love Joey Votto, but it, it, there's not been recent successes to point to. And, and you don't have to be a baseball fan. You don't have to be a football fan. Sports fans in general gravitate towards success. There's this very strange corner of sports fandom for teams and fans of teams that are just like, you know, I'm okay with my team being bad. That's just not really a thing, at least not very much for most people. Uh, and look, the, the thing with this is the Reds really have an opportunity to bring everybody back in. How many people have you talked to recently that have been like, man, how about them Reds, huh? There's something going on there. Everybody realizes it. And this is something we've been talking about for really the better part of the last year is that this team has a bright future. There are so many guys. You were talking about the Matt McClains who are just now getting to see Spencer Steer, who's blowing up right now. You've still got great young pitchers like Hunter Green, and even though Nick Lodolo's on the IL, can't wait for him to come back. Graham Ashcraft had a nice start there to end the series in Chicago as he's hopefully riding the ship and beginning to take his step forward this season. They've still got those young pitchers that are amazing. They've got Alexis Diaz in the bullpen, but they've got so many guys that are still on their way up and they're very close. Some guys who should already be here, let's be honest. But that's why everyone is noticing it now, because the Reds are starting to see on-field success in the present. You're not going to grow your fan base based on prospects. There is no team in the major leagues that has sustained the amount of postseason disappointment that the Reds have over the last three decades and continue to sell future success and gain new fans because of it. That just doesn't happen. Most Reds fans are skeptical. Most Reds fans want to see it before they re-up before they re-buy in. I've talked with so many people, so many close friends of mine that are like, I'm not going to the ballpark. I mean, sure, yeah, they got some interesting players. If you go for the division this year, and what happens if you win it? I mean, FanDuel right now has the Reds at 42-1 to to win the NL Central, so Vegas doesn't think it's likely. But... What happens if you go for it and you get it? I'm so tired of this idea of, well, we can't go for it now because we have to go for it later. I've been saying, I've been saying this, right? That this year is not about wins and losses. Well, guess what? The rest of the division is doing their darndest to make sure that the Reds care about wins and losses. And I think we've gotten to a point in the season where the Reds really need to start listening to that. 
Because as Cowboy said on the broadcast the other day, you don't always choose when you contend. You can have a plan. You can have a five-year thing where you're like, okay, this is when we're really going to go for it. But sometimes your environment dictates your actions. And the Reds should absolutely go for it. And we're not talking about the, the biggest thing for this. They can repair their reputation by going for it now, by calling up L.A. De La Cruz, by calling up Christian Encarnacion Strand, by calling up Andrew Abbott and going for it because it doesn't require these risky trades. I mean, in the past, like how many times have you said to your boy, if they just traded for this kind of a player, or if, if they just traded for this specific guy, or if they made this deal, they could really become a good team. They don't have to do that now. They've got all the talent in their farm system. They're ready to go. They just need to get them up here. We need to stop watching them do things in Louisville, and we need to watch them do things in Cincinnati. And I really think that above all else, the ease of what it would take to build a roster that could compete for a division that is very lackluster right now, very winnable right now, beyond that, they need to do it to repair their own reputation. Because forget about Reds fans even for a minute. The rest of the league looks at the Reds and they're just like, oh, that's nice. They had a good week. Look at those red legs. How about that? They're doing so well. Just, just gosh darn, those guys are good, aren't they? Boy, they had a nice little run of success, aren't they? Nobody takes the Reds seriously. The Reds need to tell everyone including their own fan base, to take them seriously. And they do that by competing for the division right now. I've said up until this point, I've said, you know, this year is not about wins and losses. It's about taking the next step, figuring out who the core is, all this other stuff. You know what? The Reds can do that and care about wins and losses because this division has given them a playing field in which it can work. You know, the Reds, man, they got a lot of good vibes here recently. Everybody's feeling it. I'm feeling it. I know you're feeling it because the Reds just swept the Cubs in Chicago. You know, love saying that. And they're going to take their good vibes to Boston, where the Red Sox are going to look to crush those good vibes. But as I look at the matchups, uh, this three-game set at Fenway has a little bit of opportunity. I'm going to tell you what that opportunity is coming up next. Before I tell you about that, though, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors today, and that is FanDuel. Today's episode is brought to you in part by FanDuel Sportsbook. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are rolling, baby. I mean, we're past Memorial Day now. We're past the Memorial Day checkpoint. We're heading towards summer. It's the boys of summer, baby. Baseball's going strong, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action then FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet of up to $2,000. That's right, they're raising the bet. They're raising the no-sweat first bet. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $2,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win with your first bet. Um, and, and, and you can bet on anything, whether you're talking about futures I mentioned the Reds are 42-1 to 1 to win the NL Central. Whether you're talking about game lines and prop bets and stuff like that, I also have another one for you. Interesting enough, the NL Rookie of the Year 
odds right now, FanDuel has Ellie De La Cruz with the fifth best odds. He actually has better odds on FanDuel than Spencer Steer does. And Spencer Steer actually leads all NL rookies in a couple of key hitting stats. But Ellie De La Cruz's current odds to win the NL Rookie of the Year is 24 to 1. Maybe FanDuel knows he's coming up soon. <clears throat> So don't miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet of up to $2,000 when you join FanDuel today. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel is an official sports partner of Major League Baseball. The Reds are back in action tonight, and they are at Fenway to take on the Red Sox with first pitch at 7.10 p.m. Ben Lively back on the bump. He's set to face Boston's Brian Bello. It's Brian Bayo. Bayo. It's hard to say. You can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Reds. And thanks, as always, for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every day. Every day is on tomorrow's show. The Reds are a statistical oddity. And we're going to tell you why. It's very interesting. In fact, a couple of reasons why. Uh, but let's first look at this series because the Reds are up in Fenway, ready to take on the Red Sox. They got the chance. They were there at Fenway last year. They're there at Fenway this year. The whole balance scheduling where you play everybody, but you you only play one series against some teams. I'm only playing one series against the Red Sox for some reason. Back to back years at Fenway, but eh, whatever. They got a chance to steal something here. They might be able to steal a series on the road again. If the bats stay hot, that's the caveat. The Reds got to continue to hit like they've been hitting here recently. And I'm not saying they have to score 25 runs in three games. That was really nice to just pour it on against the Cubs. But hear me out here. When I'm looking at this Red Sox team, they have a big strength with their lineup. The Reds are going to have to hit with them because right now the Reds pitching as good as it is, it does tend to give up some runs here. And the Red Sox are pretty good at scoring those runs. They're fifth in the Major League Baseball at scoring runs. They're also fifth in batting average. They're sixth in OPS. And they have the sixth fewest strikeouts. So they have good at bats on top of the fact that they hit pretty well. And they're also sixth in on base. Now, this is the interesting part. Sixth in Major League Baseball at getting on base. The Reds are fifth. So the Reds are pretty good at getting on base as well. But saying all that to say this, the Red Sox lineup is pretty tough. But when you also look at the fact that their pitching isn't all that great, this is where the opportunity comes in. The Reds are going to have to hit to keep up with this Red Sox lineup. We're talking about a lineup that boasts pretty much the the uh, regular lineup that the Red Sox are going to employ boasts just three guys who have less than a 100 OPS. Everybody else is league average or better in OPS+. plus. Only three guys are below league average. Meanwhile, you look at the Reds lineup, they've got about five or six guys who, maybe not regular, but the Red Sox will definitely see that have an OPS plus below 100. Red Sox can hit. The Red Sox pitching, though, not that great. They got the seventh highest ERA in Major League Baseball. Only three teams have a lower fan graphs war for their pitching staff. And I mentioned this before. This is something that we talk about, especially with the Reds' bullpen, because the Reds' bullpen, when it comes to the fan graphs, or fan graphs calculations for war, is third in all of Major League Baseball. The Reds' pitching staff as a whole is 14th because the starters have really struggled uh, so far this season. Hopefully that can improve here re- uh, soon. 
But uh, the Red Sox pitching staff, uh, there's only three teams in Major League Baseball that have a lower Fangraphs war for their pitching staff. One of those teams is obviously the Oakland A's, who are just abysmal. So really, you're looking at one of the worst pitching staffs in all of baseball. With War is a cumulative stat. You take everything and you put it into one number. It's not perfect. It is a flawed system, but it is a good barometer, a good kind of reading on the big picture of what a player or what a part of a team looks like. And the big picture for Red, for Red Sox pitching right now ain't that great. So the Reds have a chance. The Reds could really get up on this because the Red Sox pitching staff actually allows more hard contact on the average than Reds pitching does. And we know that there's a, there's a couple of games here where it feels like Graham Ashcraft or Hunter Green or, uh, you know, I mean, early games with Luis Sessa and Connor Overton just getting destroyed with hard contact. Red Sox pitching isn't much better at limiting that hard contact. In fact, they're a little bit worse than the Reds are at it. So it's time for the Reds lineup. I mean, it has been time. Just keep continuing. Keep hitting. Keep it rolling. And the Reds got a really good opportunity tonight because they face Brayan Bello, who really struggles against left-handed hitters. I mean, we should see DJ Friedel. We should see Jake Fraley. We should see the lineup with as many lefties as possible here. I know the Reds don't have as many lefties as they used to. I mean, you go back to like, what was it? Was it 2020, I think, that we begrudged the fact that any left-handed pitcher faced the Reds at all? Now it's like the the opposite. Like the Reds kill left-handed pitching. But Brian Bello is not good against left-handed hitters. He is allowing a 328 batting average, and he's faced almost as many lefties as he has righties. 328 batting average, 889 OPS. Lefties are killing him. So the Reds need lefties in the lineup against him. And I think that they can really take advantage of this and maybe even win this first game. Ben Lively has looked phenomenal here recently. And yes, while the Red Sox lineup is fantastic, I don't necessarily expect a whole lot of, you know, differences here. Ben Lively's been pretty solid and he's not shown a ton of peripheral numbers and things like that that make you go, mm, yeah, he's getting super lucky. Now, tiny sample size, two starts don't tell you everything you know and need to know about a guy, but the Reds have a shot here in game one. Game two, Luke Weaver goes up against James Paxton. James Paxton, of course, very good with the Mariners for a couple of years, signs a big or signs a deal with the Red Sox to come over, has Tommy John surgery last year. He actually just made his Red Sox debut a couple, of, a couple of games ago, he only has 14 innings so far this season. He made his Red Sox debut this year against the Cardinals. I believe it was uh, it was either a week or two weeks ago, something like that. Uh, but coming back from Tommy John surgery. So we don't know what James Paxton is at this point. Hasn't pitched very much since the end of 2019. I mean, when you talk about a shortened 2020 season, and 2021 he pitched – um, almost a full season there, but still like not the kind of exposure you think he would get. He's still really trying to get his legs underneath him here. And then game three, Hunter Green sees if he can continue the hotness that he had in Chicago over into Boston. He's going to go up against Chris Sale. Now you hear the name Chris Sale and you think, oh boy, but guess what? It ain't 2018 anymore. 
It ain't 2017 anymore. Chris Sale has been hurt and bad for the last three years. In fact, since the end of the 2019 season, he has a total of 22 starts. Since the end of 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, and, you know, the first couple of months of the 2023 season, he has 22 total starts. You know, there's a lot of folks in Red Sox country that are wondering, is it time to move on from him? Let's see if we can help them, help the Red Sox maybe think about that a little bit more. Let's see if the Reds lineup can get up on these guys. There's an opportunity here. The Red Sox, man, they're struggling with pitching. And this is really where the Reds could get in on this series. Now, there are a couple of guys for the Reds pitching staff and Reds hitters to look out for, of course. Rafael Devers is always a name to look out for, and I don't care. You're going to see the numbers pop up on the screen whenever he takes his first at bat against the Reds. You're going to see the fact that he's hitting under 250 right now. You're going to see the fact that his on-base percentage is under 300, and you're going to say, all right, cool. He's lost it. The Reds got this guy. The Reds can handle Rafael Devers. Dude's slugging 500. Duke can hit the ball a long way. He's got 48 total hits on the year. 25 of those are extra base hits. 13 of those are home runs. So the Reds pitching staff cannot make a mistake over the plate to Rafael Devers. If you make a mistake, if you miss, miss off the plate. Walk him. I'm not going to be mad if you walk Rafael Devers. In fact, his on-base percentage would lead me to believe he doesn't do that very much. Less than a 30, you know, getting on base less than 30% of the time. So test him. Test that patience. Don't throw him strikes. If you walk with Rafael Devers, I'm not going to be mad. Now there's two guys who probably are just going to be on base, whether the Reds try to keep them off or not. Masataka Yoshida and Alex Verdugo get on base a lot. Masataka Yoshida almost 38% of the time. Alex Verdugo almost 37% of the time. Alex Verdugo, you might remember that name, part of the Mookie Betts deal that the Dodgers still won. But both those guys, they're going to be on base a lot. So how do the Reds contend with them? Now, neither Yoshida or Verdugo are base-stealing threats. I mean, they have a couple of steals, and they probably you know, will, will cause some havoc on the base pass, but not, not to the extent of like Duran Duran. If, if they let Duran Duran get on base a whole lot, that's going to be some problems. But Yoshida and Verdugo are the two names to keep an eye out uh, for being on base whenever Rafael Devers comes up, and hopefully the Reds don't make a mistake to him. And out of the pitching staff for the Red Sox is Josh Winkowski, Dude's their best reliever right now. Just phenomenal at limiting base runners. He's not a huge strikeout guy. Doesn't even have, you know, a strikeout per inning. But he is phenomenal at limiting the base runners. But the Reds have a chance here. I mean, the the starting pitching for the Red Sox is not intimidating. And outside of Josh Winkowski, and, you know, they're going to leave Kenley Jansen for the ninth for a save situation. But outside of those two dudes, you're really not that scared of their bullpen either. Reds have a chance to steal something here in Fenway, maybe a series. You know, Major League Baseball put their blindness on full display yesterday. I'm going to tell you why in just a moment. 
Before we get to that, though, I want to let you know the Reds and the Red Sox do play tonight at 7.10 p.m. You can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Reds. Hopefully they can continue their good hitting. They talked about the lack of road home runs for the Reds. They hit a couple there over the last few games at Wrigley Field. Maybe they can continue that at Fenway. You can also follow the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform and right here on YouTube. Make sure that you're following us on Twitter in between episodes as well. You can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And you can follow the show at Locked On Reds. There's no Fs in that. All right, how we want to close out today's show is something that I thought, and this is kind of a discussion. I'd be interested in your thoughts because I'm guessing they're about along the same lines as me. Um, look, Major League Baseball should really lean into the fact that they own the summer. Think about what they're really going up against. Sure, you do have the NBA playoffs right now, but they're really coming to an end. You're talking about one game every other day or every two or three days. And you got NHL playoffs going on. They're coming to an end as well. Both are now in their finals stages. You're really talking about the time of year where baseball takes center stage. And they own a couple of holidays during the summer. They own Memorial Day and they own July 4th. Why on earth don't you have every single team playing? The Reds were off. And I hated that. I hated the fact that it was Memorial Day and I didn't have any baseball. And as hot as the Reds have been here recently, it's just like, you know what? It's good for the players to get an off day, but I kind of would like to see this continue. You know, we got to wait and they got to go to Boston and who knows, hopefully the reset button's not being hit as we speak. But I, I just, I, I feel like it was very weird not seeing the Reds play, but there were seven other teams that did not play on Memorial Day. And I don't care who they were. Major League Baseball should own that day. I mean, own the television of that day. I went out to a local establishment, a favorite uh, brewery of mine. Love fretboard. Was that fretboard? Uh, they have a couple of TVs. One was on baseball. One was on NASCAR. And they had some other stuff on as well. Why not, in every single time slot, during Memorial Day, why don't they have a game? A nationally televised game for the, the sport of the summer on the day that really everybody, I mean, look, there's the, there's the first day of summer there in June. I forget what day it is, the summer solstice. And then, you know, you talk about all that stuff, but everybody really marks Memorial day is like, okay, summer's here, right? That, that that's, that's what I think. Anyway, I, I find it strange if anybody thinks differently there, but major league baseball, there should be no question that teams should play. I mean, this, this is like, Thanksgiving and not having football. And I get it. There's a couple of teams that play on uh, Thanksgiving day. Not everybody plays on Thanksgiving day, but they're all nationally televised games. Like, I think I saw the MLB network showing of um, the Astros and the twins. And it was really the Astros broadcast that they had just kind of linked into MLB network. And they were just broadcasting that. There should be na- national television crews at multiple games on Memorial Day and on July 4th. 
no excuse. Because we're talking about a sport that has been, and, and not necessarily sport, the, the entity of Major League Baseball that has been phenomenally bad at marketing its own product. They have fallen clearly behind the NFL and the NBA. The NFL and the NBA are the top two sports in America right now. It's, it's really not debatable. As far as the nation goes, there are two sports that draw the attention, far more attention, than Major League Baseball does. And really all you have to do is, is, is watch a national sports talk show. If Aaron Rodgers overfills his bowl of Wheaties, that is ahead of whatever happened in Major League Baseball that day. I'm pretty sure more people had discussions about where DeAndre Hopkins, the wide receiver who used to play for the Arizona Cardinals, he just got cut, where he's going to go, then more people did discuss uh, you know, who's, who's going to win Rookie of the Year or, or who is killing it in the MVP race right now. And part of that is a discussion that I don't want to really have until the offseason with Steve, but maybe put this bug in your ear of, is the MLB season too long? But, but still, I, I look at this and I say, it is a layup. It is a, it's a bunt, and, and nobody is trying to throw out the runners. Everyone is letting everyone advance. This is catcher's indifference. You play every team on Memorial Day and July 4th. We can talk all we want about balanced scheduling. But if that balanced scheduling doesn't include a marketing aspect to it, then what on earth is the point? And I just had to get on that soapbox for a minute because I was thinking about that all day. Like, how did we not have a Reds game to talk about? How did we not have a Reds game to watch? The oldest team in professional baseball was off on the holiday that marks the beginning of the season with which its sport owns. That makes no sense to me. No sense. Anyway, just thinking there. Really excited to see what the Reds are going to do against the Red Sox here as the series begins tonight, 7.10 p.m. Eastern time. First pitch, don't forget, you can for, you you can catch every single pitch of the Hometown Broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Reds. But that's going to wrap us up for this edition of Lockdown Reds. Thank you so much for checking out today's podcast. If this is your first time, make sure that you hit subscribe on your favorite podcasting app or right here on YouTube and click that bell to get notified whenever we've got new content for you. We're going to be with you all summer long as the Reds get going here. If, if it's a situation where Ellie De La Cruz gets caught up in the middle of the day, you can bet we're going to be here with an emergency pod. We're going to be locked in on everything going on around this team because we cover locked on we cover the reds every single day for locked on reds because we're part of the locked on podcast network your team every day and by the way every day is tomorrow on the show i'm going to tell you why the reds are a statistical oddity hope you join me tomorrow because we are locked on reds every single day Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.